Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or a message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. We are on for episode number 32, and I'm excited again today. It's been a great month, and we're, you know, we're heading into the end of September, and we got some cool things coming up in the next couple weeks. I'm going to be heading over to San Diego and doing a one-on-one interview with each of the women in the eight-man elite. Isn't that freaking awesome? Um, It's going to be something very special. um, And I will roll out a little bit more information on that as we get closer to the meet. Uh, I will be actually trying to post those um, interviews out that week. So the day that I do it, um, I'm going to try to finish it up that night or the day after and get it out so you guys can hear it that weekend. Super exciting. And on today's episode of The Future's Female Powerlifting, I have a special guest who has been on this show before, but this is a different route that we took. I have Swede Burns, the creator of the Fifth Set Methodology Powerlifting Training, as well as 2016 Powerlifting Coach of the Year. Swede has become a friend of mine over the years since he's uh, came down to our, he did a seminar at our gym, Core Strength and Performance out here in Huntsville, Alabama, and Swede is just a awesome, awesome dude, and we really got to talk about more, um, more. I think what is suited for our show, um, more of human behavior and emotions and things that, you know, I think a lot of women we're a little bit more comfortable talking about, but maybe men not so much. And I think that Swede is really working towards breaking that stereotype a little bit and allowing men to feel more vulnerable. Um, at least feel that they can talk about these things and it's okay to feel these things. And what do you actually do when you have them, right? So Sweet and I break down all kinds of things and he's really moving into the realm of clinical psychology and more in that human behavior, how we act, how we see things, why do we react the way we do. And I thought it was amazing because we really do talk about um, how we can interact with our partners differently, maybe some ways that we can be more Uh, cognizant of how we act um, and how we react to those situations. So it's it's an awesomely deep episode that you have to stay tuned for because I had so much fun. Uh, We start laughing a lot at the end. You'll never believe what his what the hell was I thinking. And I would have to say that that's probably a good rule of thumb that you, you know, think about it, not to knock anybody that has uh, his what the hell was I thinking and you'll you'll understand a little bit more when you hear it. Now, if you are in the Bay Area, uh, San Jose, and and this is where I used to live for many years, if you are in the Bay Area or anywhere around there, you have to see Swede's seminar. He's going to be hosting a seminar at Warcat Strength, which is out in San Jose. And let me tell you that it's a fantastic um, seminar. We sold out at our seminar. I had a waiting list of a couple people, and I just couldn't get enough seats in my in my place and and pretty much he doesn't want to do too many because he wants to be able to provide people with the quality training that they will get at the seminar so you will not only learn about fifth set methodology but how to how to change things for yourself you know how to squat differently how to set up differently and I love these sort of seminars because you know if you stick to what you always do 
sometimes it's hard to see where you might be able to improve. And um, Sweet is very thoughtful in the way that he coaches and the way that he approaches people. Um, and though he he might have a, a a gothy appearance, he is very approachable. And um, that's one thing that I've learned uh, about him over, I would say, the last couple of years is he, you know, if you go to his Instagram, you can read his story and every day he will have, I swear, at least a couple times a week, a Q&A that's amazing. And he repeats the same questions sometimes, but he's very, very much kind in every time that he responds to these questions. So if you are interested in coming to the seminar, War Cat Strength is going to be October 6th, which is the next week. And I believe it's around $100. You can contact Alex at War Cat Fitness dot com don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure that's it you can always check them out on their instagram and if you are looking to see him in the future he will be at different seminars uh throughout the year you can uh check out his website at fifthset.black if you are looking to powerlift and you need somebody to tell you you're doing it wrong are you doing it right um i'm accepting online clients right now uh as well as in person so if you're in the area and you know i have a uh, casey who's um a little bit more north of us and big shout out to her if she's listening and she's going to come down once a month and we do online programming and coaching with her and then she gets to come out and train so if if you're you know a billion miles away that's totally fine i do um love being able to work with ladies around the nation so if that's you and you're interested hit me up um and you can visit my website core256.com you can just uh, look for our powerlifting tab up there and it'll talk a little bit more about what we do but i would love to work with you and, and we can just talk about uh what it is that you might be interested in beforehand no obligation just come check me out. You might not like me either. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? You know, if you're listening, you might like me a little bit. Now let's get into it with Swede. I was listening to um, your podcast, of course, both of them. I really like how. Oh, which one? Uh, well, I just finished listening the one with uh, Brandon. Okay. I really like oh, with, both of oh, them. They were different. Brandon, Brandon Hardesty. Yeah, those yes. were, they were very different. They were yeah. both good and they were very different. And uh, Chris Knott. Chris Knott was a great yeah. one. Yeah. I, lo I love that one. That one went a good direction because it was just very natural. And the stuff he was asking was, I think, I don't know what direction he was going, but I think it went a really good direction. Yeah. You know, it's really the result is more my or concern. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. more organic that way. I mean, I could tell that, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where he wanted, he thought it was going to go, but I like where it went, you know, and I like that it, yeah. um, and I really want to sort of embrace that with, with this as well, you know, and, um, Me too which I'm super excited about because, you know, like really we don't talk about a lot of powerlifting on this podcast, which is kind of ironic, but you know, women are very open. I don't think so. <laughs> I think there's so many interesting things surrounding just, just on the, the outscape of, of powerlifting yeah. that, that are more interesting than the sport itself. And like the biggest question is like, why are we all drawn together? What is it about us that's similar that makes us all want to do the same thing? Yeah, what do you Something think? Something that's very unique. Such a small subset of the population. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest, the most consistent personality trait in powerlifting is, uh, if I have to pick one trait, well, first of all, it's, there's a complete and utter lack of agreeableness in the sport. <laughs> <laughs> Probably 80% of people are who score really low on agreeableness, right? Yeah. That's, so that's one thing, but impulsivity is another big issue that we all have, I think. It's interesting. Uh, it, seem, it seems to be, well, I mean, just look at, look, watch it, it's manifest on Instagram in so many ways. Yeah. 
and not being able to adhere to a, a structured program. Yeah. Um, just submitting in every way possible to the immediate gratification the, of one. The instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that for some reason, powerlifters, it seems to be almost a universal trait to some degree. And that's not to say that there's any trait can't be mitigated or, or maximized for that matter, if it's something good, but yeah. 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 It's interesting. Cause I find that when I was thinking about, you know, a lot of the women I meet who are really into powerlifting, I, I, I would say that it's a rebellion of some sort, maybe in the same way, you know, in, in its it own yeah. feminine manner, you know, where it's not as aggressive. Um, and I, it's I don't, look, it's looking different than it used to, right? but right. it's still really the same. It's right. the same people. It's just, there's just, it's looking different. And I love the, I love the fact that so many women are involved in the sport now, which is, there's been a dramatic change. And even in the last 10 years in terms of the makeup, yeah, you know, of the, of the genders in terms of, of competition, when you look at how many females now compared to how many females 15 years ago. Yeah. The, the total number of competitors is not dramatically different, but somewhere around 2015, that was when I took interest in this. Yeah. And, and this, the statistical stuff. And when, when the book dropped, I started looking at like, you know, is this impactful? Yeah. How is it impactful? And I'm always, you know, I'm, I believe in numbers. Yeah. You can, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't <laughs> lie. So I'm always, I'm always like, you know, searching for that. I'm looking for some solid statistics and what, what kind of changes happened around that time. And there definitely were a much larger number of competitors. And this is also, this is, this is a multivariant situation because yeah. you have also switch, switching to raw almost entirely Yeah. from multi. Yeah. And so that breaks down the barrier for entry. Yeah. And certainly that barrier for entry looked a lot like an uncomfortable situation for a female, which oh, yeah. was get, getting involved in a training group where you had to basically listen to other people that may or may not have your best interest at heart Yeah. in, in order to learn how to use the gear. So yeah. that was a huge barrier for entry. And now that we could just kind of show up and do a meet after working out, you know, after doing normal training, decide, Hey, I want to try this yeah. and you could do it and you could even ostensibly have a really good day doing yeah. it, you know, and meet other people that are involved. So that's one, that's one part of it. Let me ask you this. When you got started, did you get started? Um, cause I know you got started in high school. Was it involved with like a, a team or was it something you ventured on your own? Okay. So it was a team, but it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like a team like you would think. Okay. It was essentially that we had, uh, kids that lifted at the school it was a correctional school and there was like a teacher coach involved who set everything up and made it competitive. Mm-hmm. And then we started doing meets. That's so, so crazy. It was groups of kids. You know, yeah. it, was groups, it wasn't big. It was maybe six of us or something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it was something that we all were interested in. And there were a couple of females out of that group. Really? That's interesting. They competed. Yeah. And then maybe six guys total that we would compete against. See, yeah. And we're the same age. I didn't have nobody doing powerlifting. I lived in California yeah. at that time and there was nothing yeah. at that time. Um, I will say Texas is unreal in terms of their high school powerlifting where they've given college scholarships now for powerlifting. Really? <laughs> yeah. they have. What huge... kind of schools? Well, that's crazy. It's all single ply. The whole, every high school in the state, they compete against each other at states and like the win the prizes. Yeah, it's huge. Texas it's, is. Texas does it big. <laughs> they do. Texas, Texas powerlifting is no joke. I just heard that they removed 
I heard they removed all the weights from the prisons in Texas, which is upsetting to me. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, obviously, for personal reasons, it's upsetting to me, but also because, I mean, it's just counterintuitive. It makes no sense. Yeah. Because they're not going to replace it with anything else. No, I think the idea is just that it was sort of like you don't deserve that type right, thing. Right, right. Or, or it could be a danger, which it's not a danger. In fact, it's the opposite. And that goes back to a lot of what I talk about with, like, lifting as medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I said, there's a certain criteria that's met by pretty much everybody that competes in powerlifting for any extended period of time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not to try not to try it, you don't have to fit that criteria, but to really, to last... It has to be something that's an intrinsic need yeah. that's, being, that's being fulfilled by the act of the training or or competition or what have you, you yeah. know, or combination combination of both and that and having something to, you know, humans do really well with like something to shoot at, something to aim for that's far away. Yeah. But, but we need to have consistent reinforcement throughout the way in terms of some kind of reward, be it extrinsic or, or intrinsic. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when you, when you talk about that, I find that now a lot of women who do enter the sport, um, enter it alone. I have seen so many women that are just maybe just scrolling through their phone, see somebody like Meg squats, somebody who's like you, or like like this podcast. Yeah. Right. Right. Hey, I I can can do this. Yeah. Gives them permission. Right. Right. And, and I think normalizes that, Hey, I'm, I'm very much normal. You know, I don't have amazingly, I'm not an elite power lifter, but I enjoy the sport and it helps me and it guides me and it gives me something, a direction for myself. But I, I do feel it's interesting because I find a lot more women are doing stuff on their own all the time. They're like, I'm the only one in my gym. And it's so awesome that I get to talk to somebody who, who knows a little something. And this is where we run into um, the double edged sword of social media. Yes. And the internet, because yes. it, it can be, it can be just an amazing tool to connect people with similar interests that may feel isolated and may be reticent to commit to involvement in something like a sport like powerlifting or yep. any other community. And in that way it can enable us to communicate. Right. Right. Especially, especially when you're talking about like a single person, like you're saying one woman showing up and doing a, a meet by herself. Yeah. It does. It does happen. I see it happen. Yeah. You know, I've definitely you just know. seen it a lot more often and, I mean, I think that's, you know, I got started because Devin, Devin's friend, when they were in Iraq, powerlifted. And I was like, oh, that sounds, sounds kind of cool. And they, it was so awful. We have pictures of them, like some ghetto ass weights downrange. And, you know, he's wrapping his knees in ace bandages. Like, I had no clue, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> really right, bad. But the point is, it was interesting to expose yes. you to it. Yeah. And you were like, oh, what's this? Yes, exactly. This exactly. Yeah. And, and it built up to that, you know, like I, I, I tell this story all the time, but I started off with things like Zumba. And, you know, P90X and all that route. And then I got bored and, you know, and then it kind of moved up, moved up. Um, And of course, that became more and more intriguing to me when I got to this point. I don't know if I'll now, you know, maybe who knows what's going to happen after this. But, um, yeah, I just find it interesting that there's a lot more women who are taking advantage of just teaching themselves and are afraid of it, but still do it. Tons of women are just still doing it. Yeah, there's definitely, I agree, there's that fear. And again, it comes back to where you can, these things like these, what's what sucks is that these things can be so beneficial, they can be so useful and helpful, and God, how great is it to be able to Google something? Yeah. You know, how great yeah. is it to be able to like do research like on your phone about something like when you're sitting in your car? Yeah. You know, I'm, not, I'm curious about this topic, yeah. you know? So yeah. that, that's great, right? And then how, how great is it to, like you said, a sport like powerlifting where 
you could be, you know, for all intents and purposes, entirely isolated from everyone else in your life in terms of that sport. Yeah. Or no one, no one else that you really know in, in any legitimate way. Yeah. Is able to, uh, is able to, um, like sort of support you or connect with you yeah. in, in, that, in that respect. However, with the internet, you can do that. Yeah. But then yeah. there's all the stuff, but there's like, it's sort of that, it's sort of that, that sort of like handshake of with the devil. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, what, yeah. what's, the, what's the cost? And we don't really think that we don't really think about it that way. Yeah, for sure. Like it's cause it's just, it's, it's everywhere. It's in your pocket at all times. It's, you know, mm-hmm. everyone, you, everyone, you know, is involved with it in no way, shape or form has anything bad really, you know, been attached to this publicly. I mean, there's the idea that there's certain nefarious characters like pulling the strings, you know, um, Mark Zuckerberg's or what have you, that are right. like st- stealing your secret information and government. You, yeah. And using <laughs> it, using your information to market things to you, which, yeah. wow, that, that's a horrible idea, right? right. That's actually, that's actually not, that's the least of, of right. the bad things. I kind of feel, I feel kind of happy sometimes when I'm like, yeah. Hey, I was just talking about that. Now I get to buy it on Amazon. That's <laughs> great marketing. I can appreciate when they have good marketing like that. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean. Like that's the least of our concerns. But it brings it brings to the surface much more serious questions like behavior modification and the fact that we can easily be influenced and our behaviors can be changed. Right. And these dopamine driven feedback loops that are created by a sort of a slot machine effect that we get when we make posts on social media. Yeah. Can modify our behavior and not just our behavior on social media, but off of it as well. Yeah. And it changes the way we view things. It changes beliefs yeah. you, you kind of it's a slippery slope and, and nobody's really conscious of it i would like to see more awareness of that aspect of it uh and and people like people that do have sort of the character traits that i was talking about before that make them stick with a sport like powerlifting yeah right? right why like why continue why continue to do it why stick with it right right it's a need right and those people that have that need are also susceptible to the same need that can be filled with yeah with uh have you reinforcement and social media have have you read the book unplugged i have not read that i think we talked about it didn't we did we i feel like we have we probably did talk about the last one i I think you and i discussed this to some degree yeah i actually recently wrote an article on my column on elite and uh one of the things that i touched on was that the former vice president of user growth for facebook is now on a speaking tour and recently talked to a auditorium full of kids at Stanford and told them that he felt tremendous guilt because they knew that ahead of time they were able to identify that the influence that they could have could destabilize society as we know it. And they did it anyway for profit, you know, and uh, there's not even any denial in terms of, of him being complicit in it. He said, yeah, we know and we did it and I have this guilt and that's why now I'm trying to go around and speak about it. Wow. That's it's powerful. Just, that's crazy. Taking advantage of, of the fact that this is new technology that's influencing, you know, it's influencing the, 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 the hormones that regulate uh, the psychology. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Is there anything that you do in particular knowing now that you have this knowledge, you know, is there anything you put in practice to help maybe or in an awareness trigger? You know, is there something that you do where you're like, okay, this is I've been on this too long or whatever it may be. 
you hit the nail on the head with that one, an awareness trigger. Because yeah. what it comes down to is is self-awareness. Yeah. You know, how is this affecting me? And that's right. something that, you know, in the last couple of years, I've started to ask myself, you know, beyond social media, not just social media. Yeah. Social media is, is generally, I think the net effect is bad. Yeah. If I, if I could not partake, I would. If I'm at a point now where I sort of sold my soul to the devil and it's like, well, now here's this part. Yeah. You know? I, you know what? I would be so sad if you didn't have an Instagram, though, man. <laughs> I really I, I, well, enjoy what you that. post, and your well, you know your you. stories are awesome. Of course, you, answer, you have a great Q and A. So I mean, sometimes your Q and A, there's so many stinking dots. I'll do my makeup and I'll leave the phone there in the morning, and I'll be really? doing my makeup. Yeah, and I'll just listen. Like it's it's like almost like watching a little YouTube. And you're kind of going through the, it's in its, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I don't normally do that for a lot because I'm like, "Eh, I don't, I'm not going to really pay attention, but you talk, you know, so I can look at my eyebrows and put my eyebrows on and and listen to what you're saying Uh, and kind of touch back. That makes me happy to hear that. Yeah. Because I do, I do spend a lot of time answering those and not only that, but answering the same questions. You do. And, And the reason is because I know that. Inflection can make all the difference. The way a question is 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 addressed to me can make all the difference. The way in, yeah. in terms of how I respond to it, and so the same question asked by five different people can can go a very different direction. And so it's important for me to you know address and readdress the issues. And there are things also that are I don't want to say, hey, we'll just go read this, go look at my highlights on the story, yeah. and just listen, you know, listen through and maybe your questions on there, like yeah. I could do the. I could also do the Instagram uh, live. I don't do that either. Yeah. And the reason. The reason is I feel like it, it keeps it somewhat personal in terms of it allows people that because I can't interact with everyone. There's yeah. too many. There's too many people. Like there's literally I get hundreds of DMs from people. Wow. I have at any at any given time fifty or sixty requests, and and you know and it, it sucks. Some of them are so hateful. It would blow your mind. You know? Really. You would think with the amount of time that I spend on there, like. You know, just for free, trying to help people, you would think that, that you'd yeah. be somewhat, somewhat of just, you know, at least gratitude or at least, because from what, even in my experience, like even the really bad people don't fuck with people that are doing good stuff. You yeah, know? Like, totally. Because you're, they're ashamed to do that. Yeah. But, but I don't know. Somehow people do feel the need to like message me like from fake accounts and just kind of yeah. talk trash to me about my relationships and things like that. And like, yeah, just. Dang. To, Blows your mind, right? Like, um, it's like, hey, my lifter just won the Olympia. You know, that's what you that's what you want to write to me about. Yeah, that's so <laughs> shitty. Know? It is, but that's it brings out the worst in people. I almost don't even blame the people doing it because they feel they feel impotent. Yeah, it's it's there's a definite disattachment. You know, um, it's it's sad because I I've had I've known people who were those people. You know, and when you actually talk to them, they're completely different. They're not like they that. They don't act like that in person. No, tough right. guys don't have to be right. tough, you know. Right. They are. And the, th- <laughs> the thing is, if you look at well, what is, and that's what I always do. Whenever I get something, because they're giving me a jerk reaction, obviously, I'm a human being, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I'm responsive when people say negative things that are hypercritical or judgmental about me to me. Yeah. In any in any respect, of course, I have that first gut check reaction of like, oh, is this true? You know, right. uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's something to that. And uh, then the first thing that I have to do always is to step back and assess who, what kind of person would do something like this. Yes. Like, in other words, what's the what's the makeup? What's going on inside of this person that's going to make them go out of their way to not only, like, make fake accounts, yeah. right? 
Right. But, but go to the effort of populating that fake account with no posts, maybe both followers and following other people so you won't notice right away. Right. But whatever. Uh, so there's a lot of work going into it. There's a yeah. lot of legwork there. So this is someone that actually feels compelled to do this. It's yeah. not a spur, it's not a spur of the moment thing. There's preparation involved. Yeah. Right? So when you think about that, and then you think they're doing all this just so they can say something that could potentially be harmful to me. Yeah. Like where is a person like that coming from? Like where well, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, they they feel it has to it has to be a place of powerlessness powerlessness in my yeah. in my opinion. And I think what would make me feel that way would be. Maybe if I felt powerless, maybe if I felt completely impotent. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is that people see someone who has a certain influence or a certain reach and they want to have that or they think they want to have that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they hate you for it and they watch your every move and, you know, they pick apart things that, you know, that they can. Yeah. You know? And it's like it's. I'm in a situation where it's very hard to pick apart my professional stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I take, for sure. I take it ser- I take it seriously, and I know I've been at this for a very long time. And like my express goal from the beginning has been to refine and perfect my method in terms of how I do everything. Yeah. Everything I do is systemized, and it's all based on the numbers. Yeah. You know, so the results. I'm not coming from a place of feelings or emotions, which are transient. Yeah. I'm coming from you know, a place of outcomes. And, yeah. uh, so, so the results are very good. Mm-hmm. Sadly, sadly, life doesn't work that way. And so yeah. other things, other things, in my life don't always turn out as good, but because I'm on a public stage, you know, people feel the need to be able to take, they feel the right to take shots at me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's like, ask yourself, why am I on this public stage? I'm just trying to help people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not like in a place where I'm making a million dollars from this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to help people do better at something that helped me a lot. Yeah. Like I have a personal connection to this word of power thing where it saved my life to some degree. So yeah. where did where did this all change for you? Because I know that, you know, um Fifth Set started out of prison, you know, and that's sort of <laughs> it's sort of changed over the years, of course. It's been modified, it's been juiced up, it's been tested, it's it's been, you know, at the level that it's at. I mean, it's probably thousands and thousands of people use Fit yeah. Set. I use it at my gym. My athletes do. All these girls are getting, by the way, you know, they're like, how come it's it so easy this week? Last week, that was so hard. Ashley and Chrissy, they're probably listening. They're like, it was, I just don't get it. I'm like, it's called strength. Yes. <laughs> it's called they're improvement. Adapting. Yes. Faster than you're accumulating fatigue. You and then, yes. And they're, this is, you know, first cycle. Right. They've never yeah. done powerlifting, you know, so, you know, the, the, they're out of the baby lamb, you know, Bambi stage are kind of like not moving all weird. They're starting to get some neural, you know, changes, <laughs> you know, you, it's, it's really awesome to watch yeah. at that stage to me, you know, because I'm like, wow, no, this is so cool. It's almost like raising a child and they joke about that. They're like, you're getting your children mixed up. Cause I'm, you know, I'm talking to them about rep rangers where they're like, that's the other child. <laughs> I'm like, it's their <laughs> right, little joke. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> maybe there's something to that. Right. Right. There's a sort of familiar relationship with coaching for sure. So what did that like change for you, though? Like, you know, when did when did you become to me you? I, I mean, I, the Dave, teacher part. Yeah, because Dave even says you're one of you know the most thoughtful coaches out there. You know, Dave Tate of Elite FTS, and huh? and I think that anybody who meets you would say that you're more than just a coach. You know, that you've taken that, this action towards that area. I think that is a uh, that's a compliment of the highest order for me. Yeah, I bet. Um, thought is something that I value greatly. 
And uh, I can usually, it can also, again, we're, we're faced with another double-edged sword scenario in that <laughs> I can think myself out of almost any situation, mm. almost, almost any situation. Interesting. I never thought about that. But if it's not something that you can think your way out of, I can make myself insane with that <laughs> yeah. because I have. And, and I think that a lot of this is innate. I think a lot of it is that we are just predisposed through a combination of genetics and experiences to, you know, maybe more so genetics, but certainly experiences will activate things that are that are already present. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've I, been a writer I, since you were a child. I, sure. And and. And that's one that's one component of it yeah. but the other thing is the the problem solving aspect of it mm. where like i've always been fascinated with problems hmm, really? how, can, how, how can you fix it yeah, yeah. how can we yeah. fix it what's or what's going wrong here yeah why, how, how do we fix it i feel like that's a yeah, man thing as well <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, anybody that knows me knows i'm a fixer yeah uh, i wanna i wanna help and uh that goes really well in my professional life yeah. And it goes not quite as well in my relationship life, certainly in terms of like selecting partners. I, I, I tend to put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, well, this could work if this, 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 you know. And you could be helpful <laughs> towards that. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So I see myself having, holding some value in that scenario. Right. Which, you know, and being able to identify that is huge because that's allowed me to make different decisions. Right. You know, and I think that that's the same thing that's mirrored in every, in every problem. It's like, what is causing this? Right. And right. so that's, again, comes back to that problem solving aspect of, well, what's causing this is my innate need or desire to try to improve or fix things with whatever skills I have. Right. Yeah. So that's, so what's causing the problem is, you know, it's a snake. So when did, when did you realize that? Did you realize that, like, were you a couple relationships deep already? Or it... yeah, that was that was years later. <laughs> that was years later. In terms of like, that took a lot of, uh, I took a lot of beating my head against the wall. Yeah. You know, to get mm -hmm. to that point, and I mean, and I'm still, I'm still getting to that point. I'm not there. I'm, I'm, you know, we're all works in progress. I think. Is and that I, where this I'm... this need of like human behavior and and kind of like getting into this realm? Because you, you're deep in there. You're in the weeds. I, I think, I mean, you, you even yeah. want to pursue, you know, higher education with it. Yeah, that's, I mean. that's the plan. Yeah, I'm doing the CLEP stuff now so I can try and <laughs> so I can try and put together an undergrad based on experience and testing. Nice. So, like, I have to have that. Yeah, I need yeah. that in order to do anything, you know, so that's going to result in a substantive difference in what I'm able to do now because, I mean, I've taken this as far as I can, I think. I don't. I don't really see any further qualification benefiting me in my current position, but I'm interested in clinical psychology. And, and again, with the problem solving, I don't think I'd ever run out of problems there like I have with powerlifting. Mm. The, the method is pretty complete at this point between the two books. And now when I finish the coaching cert, I think that would be the final, that would be the final gem in the crown there yeah. where, where, okay, this is done. Like now other people are qualified to teach this thing that I made. Yeah. And I can focus on other stuff because, I mean, if the first half of your life is learning how to do something, right, and then the second half is teaching it, it would be really great, in my opinion, to set a whole bunch of other people up with the ability to teach the thing that I learned how to do or that yeah. I fixed, created or whatever, however you want to refer to it. Yeah. And then I can keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's really giving back. Yeah, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop, like, learning, you know? Yeah.
<clears throat> and I'm in a place where everything I've learned in the last five years has been psychological. So, so and I, you know, I, I like that, um, that you've sort of gone into this more recently being open about talking about, um, maybe the modern man, maybe you can talk about what that means to you and how, um, vulnerability, emotional yeah. stability, um, you know, these topics that maybe are one not talked about by a meathead with tattoos and a, and a long, scary goatee, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, I mean, somebody this, in your position. Me, all right. So I can actually probably pinpoint the point where I decided that I was going to have to take on that role as a matter of responsibility. Okay. I had written, <coughs> excuse me. I had written clues about ghosts, uh, the poetry book that I did. And, um, I had a fake account that was like a poetry account that I used on Instagram <laughs> to just post stuff about it, to get feedback that yeah. wasn't connected to me in any way. And it was just poetry people that followed it. Yeah. And so I made some, and I didn't have my identity on there, you know, I had like a pseudonym and I had made some friends on there that I would talk to fairly regularly. And, uh, one of them, uh, I got to know a, a female writer well enough that I let her know who I actually was and she, she could see my real Instagram. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. And, uh, she said, you know, why would you not release this under your own name? <laughs> You have a following of people that are going to read it. And like, yeah. what about, what about all the guys that might be like you that are also have, you know, depth and emotion and feeling and want to share their experience and can't cause they feel like it's not cool or it's not okay. Or it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. whatever. Right. And then, and then as soon as she said that I was immediately convicted and I was like, I guess I'm going to have to release a book of poetry under my, <laughs> under my real name. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it wasn't something I was ever ashamed to talk about, but releasing the actual work is something different. And I think people that follow me closely enough, which many obviously do, because this became very clear after the fact, were able to put together pieces and figure out that some of them were, some of the ghosts were people that I had been with, that, you know, mm -hmm. publicly, that publicly I had been with. Right. And so there was the issue of that, but I think I was very respectful in the way that I handled it and uh, never connected anything to anyone. And I never identified anyone publicly as who they were you know because it was well, about me it wasn't about them and it wasn't about anything else and none of it was really obviously i don't think anything negative towards the people beyond maybe passing experience of you know look at it like this vulnerability be it for a man or a woman right and i'm not talking about cartwheeling down the street naked vulnerability yeah okay like that's that's a different type of vulnerable yeah. you know it's yeah. kind of that's a stupid kind of vulnerable that you maybe don't want to do to yourself maybe you don't want to be yeah. ever and there's no reason to ever expose yourself to that degree but and one thing that i'm really clear on with this it's really crucial to me the experience of being a human right is something that if you have the capacity or ability to share your responsibility to do that for other people that may feel the way you do yeah feel entirely isolated or other people that may be able to build on the feelings or thoughts that you developed in yeah. your lifetime you know yeah uh, think about uh, newton i believe said and it's pretty funny when you look at the context but he said that if i've seen further it's because i i stood on the shoulders of giants yeah and um, they came before him and well 
you know, he shit on most of their work. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty interesting that he says that. But the point is, you know, without that, he wouldn't have known what, what was wrong. Yeah. That's the, and it's the same with all this. And who knows what value someone else is going to get from it. But I do feel that if you're artistically inclined or talented to any degree to share emotionally what your experience of being a human is, yeah. that is that's the definition of vulnerability. Yes. And to not do that is cowardice. Yes. And it's unacceptable. And, you know, that you, you make yourself vulnerable by saying, hey, I, you know, I'm a man or what have you. And this is what it felt like for me to deal with this experience or this circumstance. Or maybe I made these mistakes and now I'm self-aware enough to say, hey, these were the wrong things that I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Not only does that benefit you because verbalizing things like that takes away the power. Yeah. You know? Right. The shame. Yeah. Right. These are things I shouldn't have done. So owning it, right? That's one aspect. But somebody else might be able to identify with it. How much could it help them? Yeah. You know, how did that forget. how did that feel for you to start opening up into that realm? Because it was that something that you started to do right away or that that book I was so anxious about, honestly, about how it would be taken. You yeah. know. Because obviously the topics are not universally recognized as positive things and my lifestyle was not <clears throat> always what it is now and uh, i was very transparent about that and you know sort of shameless and i just thought i have to expose everything <laughs> and yeah. so i and so i did and I, I did it for myself first and then my i had I, I felt i had a secondary responsibility to share it and again like i said with the girl that i had that conversation with it that kind of changed the trajectory of things yeah. for, for me dramatically. Um, it was very cathartic. Also, I was in a really bad place when I wrote the second, what is the first half of that book, which is actually chronologically. Oh, is it? Skewed. Yeah. That the first pages in that book are the most recent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would have never known cause I don't really know your friends or anything like that. Right. So as a, as somebody who's never known, you know, I, I read we, it and, and just read it. I think we became friends like after all of that stuff had happened. Yeah, because you released a book. I know <laughs> it that was I very you know. Public. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of it was very public. So it was like stuff that many people did know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I really enjoyed the book, and I'm not one who reads a lot of poetry. You know, that's never been. Um, I like reading books and things, but never, I never ventured into that realm. So it was, it was very emotional to read some of those. I mean. Just a little yeah. gunt wrenching and um, it makes you feel something, things that I haven't felt in a long time, you know, just even uh, pain that I haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. And it, it, in the end of it, it was like, wow, this is okay. This is where we're at. It didn't make me feel bad or anything. You know, it just was something like I felt something, which was interesting. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And it does give me a, a big insight into your, your brain, you know, because I don't think that that... Um, I don't find a lot of men like that, you know, and, and that are open about saying, Hey, I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still figuring things out, but you know, you're not alone. Should you feel like this as well? You know, I'm a man who likes to lift weights and be masculine and all this kind of stuff. But I'm also somebody who knows that I, I benefit from speaking about my emotions at times. I benefit from I like, being open. I feel like just as much as, men are not that way naturally in terms of the way that we are societal right now and yeah. the structure as with the pressures and influences and the way things are. Yeah. It's also, it's also a crime that men are not 
made to feel that it's a desirable thing to develop those characteristics because they are there. Yeah. They are, they are there. And I mean, assuming we're barring like maybe the 7% of us that are psychopaths, which there's there's really no hope for those. No, no. Right. So, so for the rest of the group, let's say 90 plus percent of people do not behave as psychopaths or not (laughs) psycho for lack of a better term, right. Are able to be emotive, are able to empathize. Yeah. Right. Are able to, you know, understand the experiences of other people. Right. Yeah. For most of us, this is crucially important to develop those things. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not something that should be shameful. It's something that men and women alike, we have to actually, you know, in order to communicate. Right. Because right. communication, in my opinion, communication is king. Right. It's the most important thing in your entire life that you will do is communicate. And so few of us take the time to refine or improve our ability to do so. Yeah. Even as much with like partners, like the the partner communication thing comes into play for a coach in exactly the same way. Right. In in that if you can't listen, if you can't listen to what the other person is saying, and if you're constantly trying to formulate what your response will be rather than really taking what they said, you're not communicating well. Took me a long time to realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say that I, I always joke about this, but my daddy's a very good listener. And I grew up with, you know, watching him. I watch him listen to stories that I know he's heard over and over and over. And I watch, you know, you, the little moves in his face and all the body language. And I'm looking, and I'm like, man, this guy's great. Like, you would never know that he's heard this probably like 20 times. You know, he doesn't and, look and annoyed. He doesn't look pissed <laughs> off. You know, I'm like... Uh... It's super interesting that you ended up with Devin too, because right? he's, he's the same way. He's yeah. right, right, right for psychoanalysis right yeah. there. <laughs> but, but you know yeah. what? He is, he's became a lot more intuitive and I would say in touch with that part of him in the last maybe five years or so. He's a good listener. I don't, I don't know before, you know, but like I can tell you he's of the guys I know, he's someone that actually is a good listener. He is. And he'll yeah. look at, he'll listen intently. But there was many times where I, before like when we first started dating, I'm like, I know you're listening, but you're not listening. You're like talking. I, was, I heard, I heard what you said. I can repeat it. I go, you know, so that was, and we were young I and mean, we were talking about 10 years ago. He's right. He's, right. He, yeah. He's amazing now. Like I can. He's just a different person now who is still, in touch with his feelings. I still struggle with that. Yeah. I still, I still struggle with that, you know, with, you know, with the, my, because I have so many things going on in my mind at all times. Yeah. And I have to realize that, you know, you have to prioritize that stuff for communication. Like when I'm communicating with someone that's important to me. Yeah. Right. I do have other responsibilities. I have a thousand work things. Like I couldn't, if I listed for you the number of things that I have going on in the next like 48 hours, it would probably blow your mind. I believe it. So. So I make lists. I yeah. organize because that's no excuse to be a horrible communicator with somebody that I care about. Yeah. So I make lists and I do the stuff that I'm supposed to do. And you know what? When the time comes that I'm, I have to spend some time with somebody that I care about, like yeah. put my stuff down. Yeah. My list. Yeah. And be there. I, I've learned to be that's more work. like that is, is definitely um, I don't want to <laughs> keep thinking about what I have to do. Just like you said, I, I, I create lists like none other. I mean, this whole board has like words that go down over there, just like, all right, put the idea there. We're going to talk about that later. This is for next month, whatever it may be. But that, yeah. you know, so let me ask you this is if let's say one of the women, one of the women listening is struggling with her significant other, and maybe he's not able to verbalize his emotions. And maybe she knows, you know, maybe he's a passive aggressive. He just doesn't know how to get it out. 
they don't really have maybe the best communication. Do you think that there is something that she may be able to do that would elicit his conversation? Do you know what I mean? Is you think not, as a man, not if, not if he isn't willing. That's yeah. what it comes down to, right? Whoever, right. whoever it is, and that goes the same if you reverse the sexes. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's so a very true. important thing. To, 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 the biggest distinction, and then that's right there. That's like that could be a boundary. It should probably be a boundary for the relationship, right? Right, right. Like, are you able to listen to me? Are you able to communicate what you're dealing with to me? Right. And that's not, and that's not to say that that person has to communicate what they're dealing with either. They could also say, you know, have every yeah. right to say, you know, this is my inner stuff and I'm going to deal with it. And I'll, yeah. as, I'm, as I'm comfortable, I'll communicate it to you. Yeah. I think in that situation, the best bet is to, is to open up the lines of communication to say, Hey, you know, I just want you to know if you're dealing with something that you want to talk about, I'll listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are, I think those are good, good and, things and to also, think about. Not reacting is the biggest thing, too. Yes. Okay. Because people will oftentimes force their way into a conversation, knowing the end of the conversation that they want. Yeah. And then after, after sort of like brutally forcing this conversation, like with no lube, yeah. in, into the position they want, right? Then they're going <laughs> to demand the outcome that they want. Yeah, and it's like the best analogy. Some, what someone else's fucking feelings. Yeah. So. <clears throat> you can't change what someone feels. They can't change what they feel. You yeah. can change what they do, how they react. But if, you know, if you have somebody who is, you know, you feel like dealing with anything that's an internal conflict or internal struggle like that, I think the best thing you can do is to let them know that you're, you're available and you're willing to listen. Yeah. And that the willingness is there. And that also maybe reinforce that, Hey, I'm not going to be reactive to however you feel. I think that's the biggest tool that I've, I've utilized is, is not reacting emotionally because, I think in my early 20s, I was definitely very reactive, you know, almost a strong young woman kind of thing. Like, oh, you ain't going to talk to me like that. And I think that there is a time and a place for that sort of stand. Maybe, and you know, guys, guys, too. Some be a hard ass guy yes. you know, you ain't gonna to me like that. Oh, yes. I'm not taking no shit. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. Really, really, it's like, OK, I mean, that's all well good. But like, do you care about the person? Right. Yeah. Sometimes, you, do you want to be right? <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to be right or do you want to be with this person? Yes, so that's it's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes that's a... sometimes it does come to that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, sometimes it is. The, you, sometimes you need to be right because it's a really crucial issue for you. Right. If it's something that's a non-negotiable issue for you, you know, like where okay, whatever there could be. I mean, there's an in, in, in interpersonal relationship, in a romantic relationship, for example. There's all sorts of issues, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm recently presented with a whole bunch of different things that I've been doing research on that I'm super interested in. One-on-one uh, -on -one relationships with the opposite sex, where you discuss relationship issues, right? Like in, in your instinct is to say, like, all right, like I mean, well, you know, all their friends. But in in at second glance, once I've done more research, it's pretty much universally accepted that this is problematic for a number of reasons. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like it's it's like well, my instinct would be that yeah, you should be able to do that. Yeah. I got, female friends right? Yeah, right and 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 i think that very much the same on the other side of the spectrum there's plenty of women that have male friends that they're more comfortable talking to about certain things or whatever but yeah and that's just one example of something that like you know take a look at what's going on you know because right. what you your your inst your instant reaction is in my opinion almost always wrong yeah it's true <laughs> if it's if it's in a gut reaction yeah. it's probably not the right reaction you should have and that's and that's not to say don't trust your instincts. Yeah, right. But when you're when you're doing when you're doing emotional interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Every 
action is going to have an equal and opposite reaction, right? Uh, yeah. So it may not be the right reaction. And I know myself. I know that if it's a charged rea- if I am what's coming up, I know myself. I know I'm going to do something stupid. I'm going to react a way that I'm not going to that doesn't align with my values and who I am. And that's that's where I'm always like, I just need time. I just need time to myself and to not allow that to happen. Something I found to be like so useful in, in relationships, you know, more recently is the idea of like setting times to talk about things. Mm. So you so you're not reactive and you're not already in who knows what heightened state of arousal in terms of being upset or being whatever. Yeah. Or feeling wronged. Right. So you take some time and say, Hey, like can we talk about this soon? Yeah. Let's let's pick a time and talk about this, like what tonight or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You sit down and talk, and to let the other person actually talk. It's and interesting. Let them, let them say everything they have to say. Yeah. I don't know don't. if I do that. That's a very scary thing because then that's like really <laughs> like, all right, well, listen, motherfucker, this is what bothers me about you. You know, like right. I could see that going really bad. I think you'd have to be well, very mature. I put some controls in place with that, and that you know mm. you have to speak to each other respectfully. Right. You got to honor what the other person is feeling and dealing with, too. Right. But, I mean, if you have good basic communication, it's not hard to put things aside because the biggest issue is usually emotional reactions. Yeah. You know, so you can eliminate that stuff a lot of times by kind of girding yourself or being prepared for it and saying, like, hey, you know, I know that, I know that what I'm going to talk about is probably going to upset me. Yeah. I know that what, I know that what my partner is going to say is probably going to upset me. Right. But it's very important that we discuss it because otherwise it becomes like a cancer. Yes. It's interesting that you talk about the one-on-one friendships and, you know, I guess to clarify, you're talking about like if a woman has a man who's a really close friend, you know, and, and they're keeping that friendship and maybe they've been friends for years. And no, I vote. Oh, okay, go ahead. Mean, I don't mean just as friends though, okay. at all. Oh, okay. Not generally speaking, discussing your relationship issues with ah. friends is a very specific thing. And uh, there's so much on there. If you even just do like a PubMed or a Google. Yeah, I'll look into Psycholo- that. Go, to, go on Psychology Today. They have a website. And you can search on there, okay. too. That's a good one. They'll give you articles on the topics. But I was like, holy shit, taken back by it when I seen it. And that's just one thing. Wow. But there's so many things that we assume that we already, you know, you can get more information. Yeah. Yeah. You would think it'd be innocent, but I always, you know. And I, it starts, I, it starts that way, I think, right. always. Right. Right. Misery loves company, though, you know. It does. I, it does. Oh, well, you know, you know, my partner's not, is, is also a dick. Yeah. <laughs> my partner's also inconsiderate and not doing those things, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I, uh, <laughs> that's, it, that progresses, you know. Becomes, yeah. And you I know. always think, like, if you, um. That's a, that's a, that can be a slippery slope, you know, when you not only are you telling all the negative things about your relationship, but then you're also probably sharing the positive things in your life and not with your partner, you know, so that right. it so, a person that, yeah, yeah. You, so it's like, how can you, secondary. yeah, how can you give to your partner if you already told homeboy at work about, oh my gosh, I got this raise and this is what they said about me and this and this and this. So by the time you actually get home and share that experience, it's, it doesn't have the same energy. It's not the same. So you sort of rob there's that from so the relationship. Many, there's so many levels to that too. Yeah. And a lot of it, I read, you know, I'll actually, I'll send you the article. Maybe you can link it somewhere okay. with this, but I read one recently that was like, uh, <clears throat> it was a really solid argument. <laughs> it was like, really? uh, yeah, this is, there's a lot of data yeah, between divorce, uh, 
between uh, testimonies and divorces and things like that and how stuff happens and running the numbers, like all this stuff, there's statistics for everything. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. if you roll with the numbers and you, first of all, you have to decide anytime you're looking at numbers, are these trustworthy? What is this? What's the source? Ugh. You know, how, yeah. how are these gathered and what, you know, is it just any old number is accepted or yeah. and if you look at these are pretty, I did the research. I went and looked at every, everything that the guy cites in the article. And it was in this particular article, it was, Pretty well founded. I would say the argument is very well founded. And that's just that was just to pick a random thing because I like that one because it's controversial. So like you controversial? A, no. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't get completely away from that iconoclast stuff. Yeah. I have to, to some degree challenge stuff, right? So if, but, if somebody mean, is interested in this field, where do you think would be some uh, great areas for them to start off? Like they want to learn maybe more about human behavior or you know something maybe that that is interest to you. Is there anything you would recommend? Well, I, I like to start by looking at animals. <laughs> ah, so, <laughs> so that's, so that's pretty... you know that's that's an interesting one because you know yeah. after you and I spoke about supernatural stimuli, yeah, supernatural stimuli, yeah, supernormal and stimuli, supernormal yeah. stimuli. Excuse me, yeah. and 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 you know we could speak about that a little bit. You know, I then from there on, that's all I could see. Right. You, Once you see, you can't unsee. It's like no. Plato's cave. You know, yes. you're, you're familiar with Plato's cave? Yes. Like the idea. Once you've turned that around, you realize that these shadows that are dancing on the walls, it's just people outside and there's sun. Yeah. You can't. They're not what they used to be anymore. Once you know, they yeah. never go back. To, it's the same thing. Right. It's the same thing with that. You and so, so with supernormal stimuli, I mean, you can you can break it down a little bit, but um, you know, it it pretty much is the the study right of the. It involves animals, and they did one study in particular, and I guess we can talk about this one because this is a very interesting one about the birds. Maybe you can go okay, into so, that a little bit. Okay, so there were a bunch that were, that were done with birds, and these were conducted by a scientist named Nico Timbergen. And he actually won the Nobel Prize. Interestingly enough, he was one, the only person ever – him and his brother were the only brothers ever to both be awarded a Nobel Prize, and it was for wow. different things. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's thought to be uh, autistic. And okay. Which was which was a major benefit to his observations because he was right. able to eliminate his own sort of uh, emotional bias. Yeah, his emotional <laughs> bias exactly just wasn't just wasn't present. Right. So, so he's interested because he could just Not look attached. at the facts. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, oh, I don't know. Care about the outcome. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, these these creatures are soulless machines that don't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. And that was essentially the way he approached it, which was very objective and very uh, elucidating. So when you look at, for example, the barn swallow, there's a couple interesting examples there with the female. Um, the female, they could take a like, – we're, we're wired, you know what I mean, subconsciously, instinctively to do certain things. Like mothers are wired for motherhood, you know, you're yeah. to, bre to breastfeed, to do what have you. Okay, yeah. it's the very, very same thing with the barn swallow. They're wired to – uh, you know, warm the eggs and protect them with a priority system that they're not even keenly aware of. Right. The ones that have brighter color and uh, stronger polka dots or stronger spots on them are healthier and more likely to produce healthy babies. So those ones always get the most love and, you know, taken care of. And so a mother can sit on however many, five, eight, I'm not sure, at a time. But they figured out, he figured out, that if he took one giant ostrich egg, painted it day glow blue, and put gray polka dots all over it, she would pick that egg every time over her own eggs. And it wasn't even her egg. Right. And, it wasn't, and it wasn't even warm. 
And uh, the reason was that it had these characteristics that were exaggerated, but they were what she was wired or programmed to, to seek. Right. And so she would continually, how sad, cl- try to climb up on top of this egg and fall off of it again and again and again to try to keep it safe while her own babies died right next to her. Right. Right? So crazy. To think of that, right? Now, that's one side of it, right? Which is interesting because I mean, when you think about the dopamine response, I'm doing the right thing. Right. They, they have the same type of brain we do in that respect. They right. have this type of, right? So now look at another good example. So, okay, so it's like basically you're hot wiring the dopamine response. So yeah. it's like it's like smoking crack, you know? Yeah. And you think about like, you know, a mother smoking crack in one room and the children dying in the other. So yeah. This shit happens in real life. Yeah. Know? Right. So this is, you know, this is a good example of that. But now if you break it down to what's actually happening, take the crack out of the picture, it's dopamine. Right. 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 It's the same thing that happens when you post something on Instagram that everybody likes or responds favorably to. Yeah. It's right. right. There's a little response to that. Yeah. Right. Now we are, we're able to have to analyze our own behaviors and we're, we're capable of critical thought, which they're not, you know? Right. So, so you think, you think that would help, but it doesn't really seem to. Um, no, because, you know, I, I, like I said, once I saw it, you know, once you understand, all right, so here are these birds <laughs> who very much like ourselves are stimulated, you know, by extremes, such as giant asses and really so, skinny waists. Why good is example. it? Another good example. So you're saying extremes, and that's by definition what supernormal stimuli is. It's basically the fact that we have, we will have an exaggerated response to characteristics that are exaggerated that we're naturally drawn toward for evolutionary purposes. Right. For biological right. impulses. Okay. Right. So understanding that, now take a look at the male barn swallow. They're graded on a very easy system. It's not like us where the males are graded on dependability, honesty, ability to provide, being attractive, having charisma and charm, and doing it. You know, it's, quite, it's a quite a multivariate equation that you need to be successful as and attractive as a dude. And that's why right. we have that. That's why there's that Pareto distribution of 20% of guys can select, you know, can 80. pick a, a mate. And then yeah. 80% are just randomly, desperately messaging any woman on Instagram 800 <laughs> times with no response and having conversations yeah. with themselves in your DMs, right? Right. So it's the same thing with right. barn swallows. And the reason is that's the easiest way to to deal with natural selection in terms of picking the right mates that are going to be better for evolutionary purposes. The thing is we have outdeveloped evolution to such a degree that these that these evolutions have become a hindrance to right. our ability to function and live in a healthy manner. So the male barn swallow will have they're judged on a very simple characteristic how bright the coloring is on their chest. Mm. All right, so Nico Timbergen was curious about this. So he took some males that were previously rejected by the females, and uh, and he had them. He colored their chests in with magic marker, with bright magic marker. And the same females <laughs> that previously had rejected him would line up to mate with this magic marker chest. Yeah, <laughs> guy who wasn't a loser, right? Right. And it reminds me, I can't get away from it, it reminds me of guys on steroids. Yeah. Like it's exactly the same thing. Exactly. It's like these dudes, that, and, and sadly, 
it works. Yes. Like girls are going for it. They yes. like it. It's okay. Yeah, cool. You could be a total douchebag with nothing to offer. Yeah. But you have muscles. And it's like, huh, for some reason I want that. I don't yeah. know why. Right. It's like because you want him to be able to beat the panther out of the cave. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. really what it is. He looks but like he's going to make me good babies. You know, innately we see that. Right. We're like, yes, he's going to he's going to survive. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's a survivor. He's going to protect me. Yeah. And it's not even that complex of a thought with them, but. Once you see that these exaggerated characteristics are, it's almost irresistible, you know? I almost feel stupid, like, when I give into those. Like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, now I consciously know, and I... You can't know. No, and I'm like, I I feel like... I want everyone to know. That's what I want to do. I want to talk to everyone about this, and I want everyone to realize, like... As a species, yeah. we're capable of critical thought and self-analysis, right. and we can look at the decisions we're making, and we can say, "Hey, you know, I'm attracted to this thing because of what have you x x trait that was meant to be an evolutionary benefit and has actually become a hindrance to my ability to be healthy and alive." Yeah. And uh, you know, and so I'm going to choose to do something else. Yeah. We can do that. We we have the ability to do that, and we can still be happy and, and successful, and and those needs can be filled, and in fact, you could be more fulfilled. By not going with what the biological impulse is and rather right. thinking things things through before making decisions. Yeah, that's an interesting so, one because it's then that, I mean, of course, that's a higher level thought. Um, apply but, it to everything, right? Right. Apply it to everything. Then it makes it makes me pause all the time. Like there's many times where I'm like, hmm, and I sit there and I actually think about like why why am I going to choose this one or why do I. Yeah, which, pro- you know, it's good in many ways, but then probably many ways I'm probably eh, just overthinking it. Just go <laughs> it's the, the, we can, we can, you know, it's good. The, the after effects are good. The fact that you're questioning, the fact that you're aware is certainly a good thing. That's right. a step in the right direction. And this stuff doesn't happen overnight where we can just shake off these desires or impulses and they go away. Right. And that goes for, I'm not, and this is not in the purely in the sexual realm either, because it's like I said, it's really just about the response. It's just about, the neurotransmitter response. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. It's that simple. It's not really about like. <laughs> that's a know. sexy thought. The neurotransmitter. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what it is. It's right. You're, right. You're, you're releasing dopamine. Why are you releasing dopamine? More people liked it. Yeah. Why did more people like it? Oh, because you got injections in your ass. Yeah. Okay. Well. It does like make me feel more empathetic too at the same time though. I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad when I see it. I feel yeah. bad because I can see there's always – and if you watch, these people will, will be making these desperate like stories and other posts like, I'm losing my engagement. I'm not getting the likes I used to get. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, well, everybody's already seen. What else you know are you going to do? Mean? Yeah, but like you see that and they're just desperately like gnashing, you know, they're just, they're, they're sort of like clawing and, and trying to scratch their way back to that feeling. Yeah. But they're never going to feel that way again. Yeah. And the reason for that is something called the over justification effect that, you know, essentially is, it's a psychological term for when you have too much external reward, too much extrinsic reward for an activity that was initially intrinsically rewarding. Mm-hmm. Right. Or should learn. be intrinsically rewarded. Well, it probably it probably was at some point intrinsically rewarding for you to make posts about something that people didn't even like. Otherwise, you wouldn't have stuck around long enough to get a following. Mm. There was something about it that made you want to do it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Maybe somebody will see. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe somebody will identify. You know, when you're posting a you know a highly provocative picture 
with a caption that is, you know, a Bible quote or whatever, you know, whatever justification for the, it seems almost now like the, the captions are justifications for the pictures. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm just going to write a bunch of stuff now. Let me and Google like, yeah. some inspirational I explain, quote. I have to explain why I'm posting this, you know, because it's not, it's pretty, not for the reasons you think, right? Yeah. It's like, however, here's a picture of my ass. And, yeah. You know, but yeah okay so the bottom line is like on some level we realize that we're stuck in this cycle right we're stuck in this feedback loop right but on another level it's very easy to continue to lie to ourselves about it and just you know what people will do is they'll take breaks Hmm. and they realize like oh i took a break from social media i feel better yeah but then they come back yeah like hey i'm back everyone I, i took a break i just had to decompress and guess what? <laughs> it's right back where you left it. You know I mean? It is interesting. I've never done like a break. They'll hold your following. They'll put them on hold. You can deactivate and everybody's waiting whenever you want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> you Gosh, know? I never thought about that. It's, it's, I mean, and what's crazy is that it is really that nefarious. It is really designed with that intent. And that's the, that's the issue that I take with it is that this is not just a, a, a oh, oopsie, this is this coincidental effect that happened. No, they were fully aware. And in fact, yeah. they tried to maximize this response to get the results they wanted so they could take advantage of the public at large. Right. And, you know, uh, and it is it is a you know private company. I always think to myself, like, you know, I'm open for a free market and, and it it is their own platform. They're allowed to choose it as they will. But in, at, on the same note, it's like they have a level of responsibility, right? Like even like you were talking about with the CEO, they have a ethical. level of right, an ethical There's, responsibility. There has to be some sort of universal code of ethics in, in that respect in terms of the way we're going to run these things. And uh, I don't know how – I don't know what that would look like. Right, that, right. That's not, that's not my department. But, I mean, in terms of identifying what the problems are, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm very interested in figuring out, like, what is it that's causing this stuff? How is it causing that to happen? And then once you realize that, you're like, holy shit. Okay. Everything so, that you look at is different. It really is. It's sort of yeah. like a ma- – it's almost like a matrix normal. Yes. That well, was – I felt like I took the blue pill. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? That I don't even so want to know crazy. this. I yeah. feel so sad. I feel so sad for this girl now that's constantly posting about how she doesn't get as much engagement anymore. And I'm like and – and the thing is, these are – and it was like – uh, in this particular instance, which it's not anyone that's ever going to listen to this, so I'm not particularly concerned about it, but, you know, it was where she, like, had done a sexy naked photo shoot. And for some reason, it caught fire, the one picture, and got, like, 11,000 likes wow. on the popular page. Right. You know, it, like, blew up. Right. And so then I think she just, like, set up a bunch more of these photo shoots and thought it was going to continue to go that way. And it's like, no, that was just a fluke in the algorithm yeah. where enough people saw that picture. The mini version of it was, you know, provocative enough that they clicked on it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not something that, that you can repeat. But, I mean, from my perspective, you should be thankful for that and run away. Yeah. Because once you're hooked into it, it becomes like your brain doesn't work right anymore. It's like taking drugs. Yeah. People are like, oh, how do these people post four or five different posts a day? It's like taking drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like they have to. Like at yeah. that point, they, they're in a constant state of depression when they're not getting that extrinsic reinforcement. And they don't even want to do the stuff. And, and this is another common thing, especially with fit people. They don't want to do the training anymore. They, they lose their interest in the training because they got so much of an external reward. Uh, there was an interesting study done with children on this where they used felt tip markers. They took a, a group of kids that they all love to draw with these felt tip pens every day. And so the, object, the objective was to determine what would happen with an excess extrinsic reward, and then when they took it away. So 
they took a group of the kids that were doing the drawing and they pulled them aside and lauded, praised them, lauded their drawings. This is amazing. You're so talented. These are so good. Wow. You know? Yeah. Of course, the kids are all happy. So they keep doing that for a little bit, three or four days, and then they stop. And everybody gets the same results. No one gets any applause anymore. And all of the kids that did it alone and didn't get any praise in it initially kept doing it and enjoying it. And the ones that got that extrinsic praise never did it anymore. That's why. Because they ruined it for them. Because yeah. now they, they, they lost the reason that they did it initially, which was it was fun to draw with those pens. Right. It's not fun anymore. Now I'm not doing this good enough. Yeah. Somebody's not liking it. Yeah. Right? So the valuation is not coming from an in, intrinsic place. Yeah. It's coming from an extrinsic place. Somebody else tell me what I did is good. Yeah. Like this. Like this. This isn't good enough. I'll do more. I'll go off my program and max out. Like right. it. Respond. Say something. Right. You know I, mean? I struggle just... with that as like a parent, you know, because right. you, there's a sure. fine line between reinforcing positive behavior and being, you know, supportive. Um, but then being over, you know, I, I know a lot of friends who are a combination of helicopter parents. You know, they're always always involved in their child's life, which on the surface sounds like being a good parent but then it's to the point where you don't um allow the kid to struggle at times or work through things or you know Devin and I we 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 don't overpraise and we we don't praise the outcome we we praise the effort you know like man I really love the way that uh, you took time with that drawing I mean look at those little lines and I I mean I almost didn't notice it you know we we do things like that um, I like that yeah. So, and, and that's been very helpful for us. And she's like, look, mom, you know, and this and this. And I, I, man, I like the way you looked at the bee and the, my, you know, my daughter's into insects right now. Remember we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah. I remember and so we, she's, she goes into these tangents. I even bought pins to pin all these insects. And so we got a bumblebee, she's got some moths and some things. And so she was drawing a big, uh, beetle today. And so I was pretty, wow, man, you mean I like the way you did this. And I like that part, but it's never like, you're a great artist. You draw so good. You're just an amazing, you know, artist. We try not to do that. And it's hard not to do that because that's lazy. Like as a parent, that's a lazy thing to be like, oh, that's beautiful. That was, yeah, that's, you know, it's easy to say those things. So it takes right. a lot more thought for us to be like, oh, and I'll take a second, look at what they're doing. They love to draw. So that's an easy one for me to kind of like look at how they take care of things and take care of their stuff and, and really praise what they're, what they're doing rather than the outcome of what they did. I like the idea of not over of not overpraising. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I think it's also crucial, especially that's also kind of I think going to be something that's age specific, right? And immature and maturity specific too, right? Because as kids, and I think it's very natural and normal to have those like initial bonds, that initial trust, the first person that you really look to for reinforcement, for approval, for yeah. any, for that for that extrinsic approval, right? Is, is parents, and that's a very important role. And how important is that role? You know, look at it's it's so important that it is the probably the best predictor of who we'll choose to have as a partner. Yeah, totally. <laughs> is what is what the opposite sex was as a parent. Yeah, I mean that's right? that's very similar. Carry I'm, 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 something so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's I, funny because my husband and and uh, my father are very <clears throat> different in personality, but a lot of the same. Characteristics, characteristics, and qualities, <laughs> very similar, uh, very chill, like things that I, I value, um, 
And it, and it is funny how that ended up happening. And even just temperament. I mean, that could be a huge thing, like where you are comfortable in the situation that you were that you developed in psychologically. Yeah. And he right? was he was and he was somebody that had uh, not the temperament he has now. He's way more patient now. He's got um, he, he to me, he's he's grown into such a great human being. But when you talk about. When he talks about when he was young, he was like, I'm hot headed, I was, you know, like totally a different kind of person. Um, so it's, yeah. I think those traits can be, you know, suited and they can be grown yeah. and, and, and obviously that, because that's where he's at and that's where you are, you are too. I mean, you're a different person comes, than you are. Comes to, I think, you know, being able, being willing to meet your partner's needs. Yeah. You know, and that's not at the expense of yourself either, you know, because a lot of times that what your partner needs is going to benefit you too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about <laughs> the things that partners want from us. We want you to be able to listen. We want you to be able to communicate your feelings. We want you to be able to learn how to compromise and do things that are going to be better for the both of us, things yeah. like that. Compromise is this term that has sort of been demonized lately as a loss, and I strongly disagree with that stance. I think that it's crucial. Yeah. It's essential. It's essential to any relationship that you learn to compromise. Yeah. And I mean, you, oh, you want to call it collaborate and use all these other different like new speak terminology. Okay. Yeah. It's still a compromise. It's, it's you're, still still a compromise. you're still changing something that, that you're naturally doing already on your own. You yeah. know, this is someone else. And that's not a bad thing. No, I think there's a lot of, um, at least a lot of the, the, maybe the images and graphics and things that I see is like, you know, like I won't compromise what I want. Like, this yeah, is what I want, yeah. you know, that, that sort of stance. And I understand where that comes from. I think there is, there is something where like, I, I know my needs and this is it, but you know, that I always thought to myself, like, you know, I, I had a checklist for Devin, like but, but guys I dated, I never wanted to date a Latin guy. So nobody with kids, nobody in the military, nobody younger than me. I mean, all of those were him. Right. And so those were my checklists. Oh. And I like, I am not going to compromise. I'm going to, you know, and I had this thing in my mind where I thought, I wanted something. And, and of course he was the complete opposite of that. And that worked out just fine. And life doesn't work out the way you think it's supposed to, but <clears throat> where does that come from though? That rigidness of saying that like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to accept someone who doesn't fit criteria A, B, C, and D. That came, I think oh. after my divorce. Right. It comes from a place of bitterness. Almost always yes. it comes from, a, I was hurt by allowing these, these characteristics into my life. Exactly. So now what I've learned is I'm never going to allow them back in. Yes. And that could be, that could be a dangerous proposition too. It can because, be devastating. Because, yeah. It's, it can be very difficult because yeah. a lot of times those are things that maybe you need. Yeah. Or maybe on some level you're drawn to those things and there, there are good and bad versions of, of everything. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? like, for sure. Especially, especially because some of those were very general characteristics. You know? No Latinos. I was like, no, Latino Latinos. men. Like, Latino men are really? always like, yes, dude. I was like, I'm over them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. As long as they were like predominantly Latin, in my mind, they're, they're all like going to cheat. You know, it's like all these, you know, preconceived notions of what. And based off of my experience, of course, and that was definitely part of it. So it, oh, yeah, for sure. To new partners. And that's, and that's something that we do. And God, how about. Being aware of that is yes. probably the big, biggest favor you could ever do yourself is that like this person is not that person. Yeah. There are some surface characteristics yeah. that are similar because that's the stuff you're attracted to. Yeah. But that doesn't make this person have the same, you know, neuroses well, th that this person had or the other issues that this person had. You know? I think I think I was guarding myself as well. You know, like once everything went bad with my 
divorce, then it's like, all right, I'm going to set myself up the best way I can. Right. So that means I'm going to date somebody who's not going to maybe have a kid because that would complicate things. I'm going to date somebody who's not going to leave because being in the military is really hard. And that just, I already had like, you know, a difficulty with this, you know, that's not, you know, so I was making this checklist of where I could end up being most successful in a relationship, you know, and, and that the I, irony of it all was that I, I had a checklist with my past relationships that were like, you know, <laughs> go to school first, get married next, you know, then you get your career, you know, check, 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 check. And then boom, all of that went out the window. You know, so I, I, the irony of that all is that I didn't realize that then, you know, but then I'm, now it's, it's almost free. Yeah. Like I'm just enjoying the ride and yeah. I'm not going to judge it anymore. I, I, I don't know if this is going to solidify anything. I don't know if this will be forever. I just know I'm, I'm enjoying and loving what I am, but I'm not going to, put too much of that on there and that pressure. Yeah, that's good. That's crucial. Um, it's so, it's so hard because once you're in a difficult situation where you trust somebody romantically and things don't work out the way you want for whatever reason, and there's no reason to even get into whose fault it is. Right. Yours, yours, there's whatever. It still opens up the potential to have a traumatic response to the idea of being in love with somebody again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a scary and, thing. Uh, we get a trauma response to the idea of being vulnerable again yeah. to another person after something like that happens. And that is, that's a self-sustaining mechanism. That's something that is designed to, uh, it's, it, you know, it's designed to protect us, yeah. but it's also, it has a potential to paralyze us and not just in the romantic realm, but also in professional and also in training or I mean, you could apply this, take your pick. You could apply this to anything. Yeah. Uh, something I actually, I just posted anxiety induced retreat always increases the anxiety. anxiety to what you're retreating from. So if you're retreating from the idea of commitment or relationships or even an individual, Right. Right. You got to face not, your fear. It's not helpful if you're doing it because you're getting a panic response. Like, for example, I was just reading a book that breaks down. That's how agoraphobia develops. Oh, really? So usually, usually one thing happens. Mm. Some There's always some underlying mechanism, a bad relationship, a problem with their spouse, getting sick, dying, or maybe they're breaking up with their spouse and maybe they have a horrible argument. But something proceeds and then like, you know, maybe, hey, this woman's going to the mall and on the way to the mall, she has a heart palpitation, which is normal in any respect, you know, right, certainly right. you're going through, uh, I think this was, I want to think this was Jordan Peterson that wrote this. Um, and the idea was that if you, that this woman, like, for example, notices she has a heart palpitation and that can trigger anxiety. Right. right. And it has for me. They happen for a million reasons. I get them all the time. Anytime. In fact, that's my biggest sign that I have to step back from a situation. As soon as that happens, I know that is my fight or flight response. That's me getting ready to engage in an aggressive manner with somebody. That's my wow. body's it's like warning sign. And so I'll just step back and <laughs> say, hey, I need a minute. <laughs> you know what? Talk about this in a minute. And I'll reassess everything that's going on and think about it and come back and talk. <laughs> and, uh, because you have to do that because otherwise it's dangerous if you don't. You know what I mean? It's a dangerous proposition. Yeah. You can say or do things you don't want to do. And I mean, just just with words. I mean, it can do irreparable damage to relationships, you know, friendships, yeah. family members, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely crucial. But the point was, like, you, you get that. She gets that response, for example, in this scenario. And she's heading to the mall. And the idea of the mall suddenly becomes too much. 
Mm. All those people around the mall that are, that are going to be there turns around in fear and goes back to home because home is safe. And now, the, <clears throat> now the mall is fear. Now the mall is, is doubly potent in terms right. of a fearful experience. And then soon, before long, places that are similar to the mall become like right. supermarkets are, are too similar to they're too mall like to right. function with, without having an overwhelming anxiety. Right. 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 And then pretty much every place becomes Gosh. too much. Any place where there's other people. And then even the, even the house, even if if she could run from her house, she wouldn't be there either. Yeah. But she can't. She can't. So and that's how you end up being totally stuck in that sort of situation. And these are these these sort of um, neuroses are like self-sustaining. They're the they're again it's a it's a positive feedback loop. It's right. the snake swallowing its own tail. Right. It it makes itself worse if you allow it. Yeah. And so you have to identify and and, and expose yourself to and, and face those things. It's interesting. You know, I, you know one of my best friends um, that could have been written about her, like you know, and and we worked in a mall. And <clears throat> at the time, I don't think I was knowledgeable enough. I had never suffered from anxiety. So it was kind of difficult for me to understand. And I developed anxiety after my last divorce during the pregnancy. And then, you know, I, I was like, what is this thing? And, and everyone's the hormonal changes do that. I mean, yes. And I was going through a divorce at the same time. So I was going through it. And my father was diagnosed with cancer. It was all just a very bad time for me. Very so stressful. I, very yeah. stressful. And I was, you know, uh, developed, I developed anxiety. And I remember having that same feeling of now I know what an anxiety attack feels like, a panic attack, right? So I feel this breathing, this heart. So now anytime I have that trigger where it's for no reason, hey, I'm just sitting down on the couch watching TV and I feel that trigger and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, am I having a panic attack? No, it's not an attack. Maybe it is. Did something happen? And then that's where it starts off. So then now... That trigger, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this kind of show. This is the show. These kind of shows trigger my. What anxiety. caused this? That's right. what we do. When right. You have a panic attack. The first, the first thing is, I don't ever want to feel this way again. What caused yeah. it? I'll eliminate that thing. <laughs> Even if you're if you're with it enough to accurately figure out what it is that caused it, you're screwed because then you're going to stop doing that thing, and it's yeah. going to become so much more potent, so much more powerful. And it takes usually months or years before people finally go into therapy and start to address what is the underlying issue here. Right. I, you know, format. Yeah. I did like, I, I actually recently just had, I oddly felt very overwhelmed and I normally don't feel this overwhelmed, but I felt so overwhelmed. I couldn't sleep. And I told Devin, I go, I, man, I almost think I was having like a anxiety in my dreams. Like I couldn't breathe. I was having all these things going on. And Instead of letting it, because there's part of me that really wants to take it and run with it. Like, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, just surrender to that, you know? like. And I'm like, yeah. if I do that, that, I know that doing that will make me end up just having a full-blown, like, I'll have to get up. It'll be weird. I'll be dizzy. It'll be all this craziness. So I kept fighting it. Like, no, just go to bed. It's just, you know, you're either, you know, I, 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 I use the acronym HALT, right? So it's hungry, angry, yeah, lonely, or tired. Lonely, tired, yeah. Right? Those so those are, are my triggers. Yeah. yeah. And so those are my triggers that I'm like, all right, or am I, any of these. Right. <laughs> we all, we're all susceptible to that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so those are the things that I kind of run through. I'm like, okay, I'm a little hungry and, you know, I am angry. I'm like, well, I've already got two of the three, I mean, two of the four. So that's probably not a good point, but. Um, right. yeah, I, I find it interesting that, you know, we all have to deal with those things. And, um, some of us are still working through that. I do feel like I'm, I'm feeling a lot better and I, I haven't, I rarely have anxiety anymore. 
I'm more aware of what it is and I'm, I'm facing it. So I'll walk. All the, all the limbic stuff I think will, will, will affect that stuff dramatically. So if, like you said, you're lonely, you're hungry, yeah, getting sleep, right. Sexual activity, stuff like that. That's right. not, you're not in your normal routine. Right. It, it can psychologically, you know, spin you. Right. Right. You know, to a degree that, you know, we're like, what even is going on? And right. it's almost possible to identify. And there's yeah. two different, two different like main types of anxiety. There's like the anxiety of, okay, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, am I going to die? Is this, is this, <laughs> this the big one? I'm coming for you, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. It's not that. All right. So then maybe it's also the anxiety of public humiliation. That's the other one. Right. What if people see me laying on the ground here after I thought I had a heart attack or what if, you know, there's all of that. And it's one of those two things dependent on the individual. Usually one will dominate, you know, it seems yeah. like. And, uh, yeah, for me, it's definitely the, I'm going to die right now thing. <laughs> so whenever <laughs> I had anxiety, that was always what it was. I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Is like, this it? So it's a great, it's a great way to manifest, you know, like, oh right. God, Am I, am I having a heart attack? Like, no, oh, no, I'm fine. My blood pressure is perfect. I'm normal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's but so yeah, funny. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, like your instinct is to like, I think the meat of all that to take away is that your instinct is to run from the things that trigger anxiety when we really need to face those things. Exactly. And in some cases, you know, obviously I mean, certainly in cases where there's trauma, where there's abuse or anything like that, it's probably better to, to face those things in like a controlled setting. Right. Like in a, in a therapeutic environment, something like that, something in therapy, maybe yeah. in yeah. sessions, things like that. But, you know, in almost every case, it needs to be addressed. It should be addressed to the best of your ability because that takes the power away from it. Have you um, have you looked into the realm of microdosing therapeutically with psilocybin? Have you heard of, uh, have you yeah, heard the, yeah, of that realm? Uh, I think yeah. Brandon Lilly, Actually, he, didn't he didn't he go that route? Uh, I know, he, I know he does mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I swear uh, I might have heard something where he talked about having um, – A book that I was actually kind of um, – I kind of got – I ended up having to read recently. It was called The Body Keeps Score, and it's a book about trauma response. And, and one of the, the end of the book, further towards the end of the book, they get into the different treatments that are available, some of them being like MDMA and yeah. some of them being psilocybin. Yeah. Psilocybin, I can, I can tell you that – Empirically, from from what I've seen and heard, it's seems to be amazing. Seems to be sort yeah. of a wonder drug. But again, it's it's very setting dependent. Right. Like you got to make sure that the person is. It could anything like that has the potential to be helpful. In my opinion, probably has the potential to be equally as harmful. Right. Right. And I, I've heard of it in. Um, I mean, the applications. I have a friend who's a marriage <clears throat> family therapist, and she's she loves. Uh, <clears throat> She loves the outcomes. I don't know if her she herself has used it, um, but I've heard of it in a very controlled environment. So it is micro dosing of it. You are with a therapist. They kind of walk you through almost like a shaman would be, you know, going through, you know, ayahuasca or, you know, something like that. But in I that think, sense, I think my ex-wife is doing that now. Um, oh, really? That's the new new. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people who, are, who feel no, like, I mean, they like could... she's like running them like she's doing. Oh, them. really? She... That's what I heard. She was doing like parody ceremonies or something like that. And, uh, Whoa, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard positive things about it. I don't know if I want to venture there, but I've heard, I mean, I'll, I'll have to, there was some studies where people said that, um, and this is even crazy to think, but that it was like 90% of people who suffered with PTSD no longer suffered with it. Like a high, no, high percentage. That book is about PTSD. So that and that was what that was one of the things they talked about was what the, the, the drug treatment seemed to be more effective than anything else. Wow. 
and they didn't need to be sustained. They didn't need continued medication. Right. It was. I mean, when you think about how these people were treated initially, that's some of the stuff they covered in the beginning of the book. Like a girl who is, you know, determined to be insane and because of her traumatic response to horribly abusive behavior or something that happened to her, right? Mm-hmm. Is now put in a situation where she's like in a day room getting showered with a fucking hose and eight other people naked and treated like a fucking farm animal and yeah. can't understand why she's getting worse. <laughs> like, right? Well, it's, I mean, when you look at the roots of where we came from, like where then was not that long ago. Wow. We're, right. We're, we're just, we're just scratching the surface. Interesting. Right now. We got a much better understanding now than we did, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as it will be. So where do you, you think know? the future is for you? Clinical psychology. That's where I'm going. It sucks at this age to have to commit to such a long journey, but yeah, I'm going to go that way. I'm so do you be, want to treat people? I want to do research for the most part. Okay. I could see you doing research. Right? That kind of aligns with... Yeah, the problem solving part. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> From numbers, yeah. I'm yeah. curious about I'm curious about how we can figure out first figure out what the issues are and yeah. then fix them. You know, because a lot of it, I think there's a lot of like uh, foregone conclusions that are maybe faultily so. Like maybe it should not be foregone. Right. <laughs> you should, you should take a lot of the things that we're like assuming, I think, are there could be issues with. You know. Yeah. So I'm interested more in that and like redirecting. You mm. know. Like a, a lot of it, I think, is that people discount a lot of the stuff we were talking about uh, in terms of the behavioral evolutions. Yeah, uh, and the ramifications in the modern life, in my opinion. You know, I think we try to disconnect those things, but really, yeah, we're not, we're still very much there. <laughs> we're, 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 we're talking monkeys. You yes. know? We, give, we give ourselves far too much credit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Like, you know, it's not like we're, we're not that far ahead. Yeah. yeah. Not that we would like to believe that, but I mean, there's really not much evidence to support it. Yeah. Certainly, certainly in terms of our behaviors. Well, so this is a part of the show and, and I guess, you know, this is going to be a funny because we kind of, probably our, our conversation today was a little more serious, but this is a part of the show that people actually tell me they like to hear, but okay. it is asking you. What the hell is wrong with you people? <clears throat> what the hell was I thinking? So it's a time in your time in your life when maybe in powerlifting, maybe when you're younger, maybe not in powerlifting, where you look back now and you say, what the fuck was I thinking doing that? And I always use this example of my friend, <clears throat> Anna, who is a graphic artist, and she decided to use a, uh, a capsaicin rub <clears throat> because she was really hot, right? I mean, she was really sore, but that capsaicin rub, she rubbed on her hip flexor. And then oh, she took it a, got too close. Yeah, it got too, too close. close. Too close to the business. Too close to the business. And <laughs> yeah. she, out of desperation, ended up putting Greek yogurt on her vagina, which helped. No, it worked. Self. I was going to say, it worked. Actually pro- I she tried say, everything. Yeah. I would have thought baking soda, but I mean, Greek yogurt, okay. I guess that's a more of a pasty solution, too. Right. Baking right? soda would probably be a better idea. I think that's a little bit more higher level thinking. She was Googling frantically. And, you're, and you're panicked. You're, you're not panicked. thinking about the pH. You're not thinking about the pH. You're thinking like, <laughs> what, what's going to make this go? I want to rub bread on it. Uh, she put milk. She said she put all kinds of bread. <laughs> rub some right. bread on it. <laughs> put some bread on it. Yeah. It might have been a milk. sight for her, for her fiancé to see. <laughs> it, it needs milk. <laughs> but that was her, uh, what was it, what the hell was she thinking? And I like the, for that story to live on a little bit. But uh, That's a good one, definitely. So you want to hear my what the hell was I thinking? Yes. Uh, I mean, that's going to take a That's like a, 
I, my head goes immediately to being in polyamorous relationships. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so you, you've talked about that before and that you don't yeah. feel like that worked out for you. I just, yeah, I think it's a, just a flawed proposition for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and then for yeah. anybody who doesn't know what polyamorous, that means, that means, you know, multiple partners. Yeah. And, and yeah. they're all open. It's an open relationship. Yeah, I mean, well, there's different parameters you can set. I think right, that's an right. individual thing. And that's not to us. I don't want to shit on anybody who's happy in a relationship like that either. Because right. if you have something that's working for you, you know, God bless you. Good. Right. Uh, I just can tell you that I've repeated the experiment many times <laughs> to, the, to the same outcome. <laughs> <laughs> so you're done with it now? I'm, I'm good with it. I've yeah. seen enough to say that I would not recommend it. <laughs> um it's just not conducive to a healthy relationship with, with either party. Um, the reason for that is you're not, it's neglecting some of the, some of the core characteristics of what makes a relationship good. Yeah. You know, you know what makes a relationship healthy or, you know, not yeah. to say you can't do that, but this did, it adds a, a layer of complexity to an already convoluted proposition of being with another human that's different from you anyway, and has a very different inner world than you do. And, you had another very different inner world into the mix there, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it could help. <laughs> Probably not, though. <laughs> right. I would. I, I mean, that just seems more complicated to me. So in the, I. Yeah. yeah. In the realm of randomness, just throwing random things in very rarely fixes. It, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. The car's not working. I'm gonna put some pepper in my gas tank. See what happens. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not gonna do it. You know, it's just more random things to consider. What what could possibly be wrong? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And I mean, I think personally in my own, I was setting the bar low with, with that because I had mm. been hurt. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a very self-analytical person. Most of my time I spend considering my own actions and decisions and so forth. And why did I do what I did or why That's did great. I think what I thought? And yeah. that allows me to change the way I think and improve it. And uh, I mean, I do I empathize with my former self. Yeah. I know that I had been coming out of, I came out of a situation that was thankless and long and uh, involved betrayal. And so I was open to the idea of eliminating the possibility of betrayal by. Right. Keeping it open. Keep it real, yeah. They, they ain't no, they ain't no betrayal if we're all open with being right. real with it. Well, that was the idea. But right. uh, there, were, there were other problems instead. So, because even with that, there's even in that situation, there's still rules. You can't have just complete lawlessness. Right. And then those rules become crucially important because there's so few. The ones that you have yeah. sort of become uh, paramount. And that those, those lines would have to, I would think, really be established. Like those uh, they, boundaries they, they, would have to be clear because they're not innate. Right. So even if they are really clear, which, you, like you said, I think that's day one stuff is to lay that out. And I've never been someone who was shy to lay yeah. out the things I knew. Yeah. I have I have in the past failed to follow through with enforcing boundaries that I set. That's, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not something that... I think we all I, have at some point. Sure, sure. And yeah. I mean, I, and I, I, I was coming from a place of love when right. I allowed it. And you think you're doing the other person a favor by, you know by letting them get away with it or by whatever. And in reality, you're setting yourself up to fail by allowing that. Yeah. And you need to be crystal clear. And that's sort of like uh, the whole idea of the whole idea of like, we, we co-create our reality. So you're putting yourself in the situation that you're in at the end of the day, if you keep finding yourself in bad situations, it's fucking you. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, sorry. <laughs> I, I hate to have to put it in a blunt way like that. But yeah, totally. Like, hey, you keep having the same problem. It's you. Yeah. Now, that's, that's not to say that it's something that you're doing. It yeah. could be something with the people that you're attracted to or that yes. you're selecting as partners or that you're allowing or the way that you're maybe you're communicating boundaries and not enforcing them. Yeah. So, you know, you're not giving yourself a fair chance to yeah. find somebody who's good. Yeah, that that, you know, that that's find somebody who's who's good for you. It might not be that that you're not a good person or that that person you're with isn't a good person. It's that you're setting the stage for your own failure. Another thing I was I was listening to um, a union analyst talking about the idea that certain people that have certain personality disorders, right, that are a result of their upbringing or experiences that they've had will attempt to create the environment that they came from. <laughs> so, and so, in other words, they will do things to elicit, to bring about the characteristics that they were around when they grew up, especially if those are bad things. They'll encourage those behaviors from their partner. You know, yeah, and I've heard this before in, you know, in in the absence of, what is it? We, we turn to things that are familiar, good or or bad. Well, we were talking about seeking out your parents, right? Right. So think about that. What yeah. if you're in your situation, you said you had your dad, good listener. These are good like qualities. Yes. What, what if maybe that wasn't the case? What if he was extremely abusive or had some other behavior that you had to forgive him for in order to love him? Right? Right. <laughs> it just becomes that's normal. That's yeah. normalized. Yeah. And now, you're, now your relationships are, are structured in such a way that you believe that, hey, in order for me to have – you know, to love somebody, I have to be able to just kind of forgive certain behaviors and accept right. them. Right. It's not, it's not true. And then maybe when you're not getting those behaviors from the people you're with, you do everything in your power to bring them about so that you can forgive them for it and love them anyway, because <sighs> that's the way, that's the way you know how to love. Now, what does that open up? Wow. Right. How about everyone that's crazy about how their ex is such a piece of shit on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> this is all it is. It's just an endlessly unfolding tedium. Yeah. My timeline of people talking about what a horrible, like either like narcissistic personality disorder, borderline, and we're all diagnosing their ex. Right. Horrible. And actually, you're off the hook, right? You didn't do anything. You got you fucking you, somehow you ended up with Satan as a partner, right? Right. Or, or <laughs> if this is the eighth or ninth or tenth time this has happened, maybe we should take a look at why this keeps happening to yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Are you creating your own reality? Are you co-creating it? You certainly are if you're selecting people that fit that, you know, that fit that criteria. But you also could be bringing about in people that maybe are not even expressing those behaviors. I think you if know, you're not taking a step back, especially at the end of a relationship, if you're not taking a step back and looking at what you did to harm the relationship, is, if you aren't taking a step back, then you're just you're not doing yourself justice, and you're going to forever be swimming like that. Like that's just. A failed training cycle, anything. Right. And something, when I get an outcome that I don't like, the first thing I do is I step back and I go, what could I have done differently that would have changed this? What, was there anywhere along the way that I could have done something that would have modified my trajectory? Yeah. Even a little, so that this far along, I wouldn't have gotten the outcome that I got. Yeah. Because if you're not doing that, you're just you're just on fucking. You might as well be watching a DVD. Yeah. Like, you're just rewinding and doing it again. Yeah. And you'll never so, grow. I mean, that you'll never ever grow if you can't take that. No. Nope. You can't learn anything. That's how I learned. That's how I learned from when I look at people's results. When I look at outcomes from right. from different from training from whatever attempt selection protocols. When I assess this stuff. Yeah. What can I? What can we have done different? What can I change to try and fix this problem? This deviation. Yeah. 
And okay, we try that. You know what? It worked. But never trying that is my fault. Right. <laughs> I'm just okay. Well, this is how it is. I guess it's unfair. The yeah. Numbers. Gravity is sucks. It's not fair. These people. It's inconsistent. No, it's consistent. Yeah, it, I think it, and it's always harder. And in, in when you're talking about humans, you know, and and emotion involved, especially I think when you have somebody who's like a cheating partner, it's easy for you to be like, well, fuck, he just cheated, and you know, it's his fault. But then there's to me, that's to me, that's a cop out. And that's coming from somebody who had that prior, because I feel like there was so much that leads up to that relationship, to that cheating. The cheating is just the final tip. But there's so many things that happen towards that ending. And if you aren't really taking a look at your involvement and what you did to get to that point, then you're never going to learn. That's a good example, too. And in some some cases, you know. In some cases, there's nothing you did wrong. In some cases, the person you're dealing with is broken or flawed, right? Right, right. But it's but it's the failure to make that assessment. Yes. It's the failure to step back and say, "Hey, well, what? You know, where was where was he or she at when they made the decision to to do this? Right. What was what was you know? And it, maybe it's someone that you don't have enough invested in to even ask that question. In which case, okay, fuck them. Right. Exactly. I agree. Right. But if this is someone that you're married to or you, you know, had some sort of legitimate connection with that was ex- extended over some period of time you've invested something emotionally yeah. Yeah. or you've invested your time or what what other valuable you know thing you have to contribute you yeah. invested it now now you know you, you do have to ask yourself along the way was there something that, and that's not that's not to say that you know to blame the victim in, in this scenario by any means you want right. to help, help the victim the only way to help the victim is to ask yourself these questions because right. like hey oh, i'll be real with you like the world is shit right now yeah People are cheaters. Yeah. But if you've been in 10 relationships and the last 10 people you were with cheating on you, <laughs> I'm turning the fucking camera around, me personally. Right. <laughs> I'm take a look at what am I doing here? Yeah. What, is something wrong with me? Like, yeah. I'm not, that's not to say you should judge yourself as a person, but well, are your behaviors influencing outcomes? And yeah, they, they certainly almost always are. Right. You know, so there's, so, and that's not, that is not at all to assign blame to somebody who's a victim of something like that because I don't think that should be the case. But as, as the person who is, on the receiving end of which I have been many times on the receiving end of shitty shit, like deceit from someone you trust or, you know, infidelity from someone that you've committed to and are not being unfaithful to things like that. There's still other, like you said, it's, this is a multivariate equation. This is a multifactorial problem. Yeah. There's, you have to look at how did it get there? Yeah. How did it get there? And And what can I do differently? Yeah, well, exactly, because then once you know how it got there, yeah. then you can truly ask yourself, did I have any influence? Yeah, and you, <laughs> you probably know, was, did. <laughs> was, was, this me, was this me, like, withholding affection? Was this me neglecting a person? Right. Was this, you know, who knows? Yes, and that, that's actually a lot of the things that I saw it was things that I did where I was, like, maybe being too hard and not <laughs> not allowing myself to be as caring as I should you know, in, 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 in an anger, you know, and so there's so many things, you know, who knows? What, what sucks too, is that for empathetic people, it's very difficult ex post facto to have a clear view of things. We always see ourselves as having done more wrong than we did. You know, we always see ourselves as being more to, more to blame than we really were. Interesting. You know what I mean? Because you're like that person. You think about that person and you're like, what did that person think about you? Right. <laughs> you know That's so I mean? true. <laughs> It's the other thing, too, because I mean, yeah, I've dealt with that myself where I'm like, I'm totally to blame. I can see I was totally at fault. And then, you know, sometimes you get a unique 
uh, peek at what's actually happening. You're like, oh, well, maybe not. Right. <laughs> I think maybe you, you take ownership of that. That's probably yeah. in your personality too, to be like, listen, this is my, you know, I, I, this, I, this is part of it. And I'm, I'm taking ownership of what I did wrong. And I mean, that's kind of how I am too. If you don't want to repeat it, you're going to do that. Right. 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 So then it's almost like, well, now I got to find out what I did wrong. Cause right. if I didn't do anything wrong and it's out of my control, right. Right. <laughs> I can't control what other people do. So I'm like, there's some way that I'm to blame here so I can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are things that, but I mean, it's not as, see, the thing is, it's not as charged, like you said, when you're yeah. doing, when you're doing with lifting, but it is the same problem. Right. Right. And we, we are, we are, our view is colored with the same biases. Yeah. You know, with the, with the, you know, confirmation bias and we're, we're looking for evidence to support. We've already chosen to believe. Yeah. A good example. Right. So there, there's various cognitive biases and some of them, most of them we're not aware of and we couldn't identify if they were pointed out to us. Right. You know, unconscious, uh, so, conscious, yeah. unconscious, yeah. Unconscious, yeah. I unconscious bias is tough. There I we mean, go. It's something that's hard to work with. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they're roundabout ways to do it. I'm just not very good at that. <laughs> well, see, this has been fantastic. And I like all the areas that we touched on. And I think that our listeners will be able to pull a lot from it. I know I there's, so. there's a lot of women that listen and, you know, reach out to me and say, you know, I'm going through same kind of thing with my ex or I've had this sort of feelings and this and that. So um, I feel that there's going to be a lot of women who will be able to relate to what you're talking about and really feel good about it. And I appreciate your, your vulnerable vulnerability on the show and being open and authentic to yourself, which I, you know, I can, it's all I can ask for. That's really, if there's anything that, you know, I hope that people can get out of this, it is, and it's awesome to be on a show that is geared and female centric, but it would, I think it's hugely important to see that, while there are a lot of things that are different between the sexes, yeah, there's a lot. There's far more that's similar. Right. You know, we, we do struggle with the same things. Sometimes they don't manifest in the same way. But we do have the same pains. We have the same issues. We have the same lack of acceptance of self. Yeah. All the same stuff that's the root of all these things, right? Yeah. And uh, it may make it a little bit easier to understand, you know, the opposite sex. Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we realize that while it may not express the same way. Right. We're struggling with the same shit. Yeah. So we, we can connect and, you know, understand. It makes it a little easier to empathize. I do agree. There is, there is sort of, you know, across the genders, there's a there's difficulty being empathetic because there's a lack of understanding. There is that whole idea of like, oh, I'll never understand women. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really think women are very hard to understand from my perspective. Like I could break it down to like, like affection, concern, respect. Like that is essentially what. There you right? go. Yeah. Right? And, these, and these are universal characteristics to humans. Right. Need. Right. So yeah. like these are things that we're all drawn to. So when you break it down on a real base level, there's really not that much difference. It's the nuance that's different. And, uh, you know, I love women, so I have every respect for the differences. I yeah. think it's what makes them unique. You know, yeah, the same totally. Thing. Well, definitely yeah, more, I, more, more that binds us than divides us when it comes to the sexes. I would like to see guys get a little bit more comfortable with being vulnerable. Yeah. Personally. So I do my best to leave from the front. Well, I think, you, I think you really opened that within powerlifting, using your platform and having that because, you know, just based off of your stories, I can see where people have opened up to you. Brennan, you know, it, even talking about how pivotal it was for him to talk to you on his show and how that helped him. And I, I think that's I amazing. That. Yeah. I, I thought that, that was amazing. 
I don't always put them up on the question box, but I yeah. get at least 10 every day of people that are just going like, thank you. Like, yeah. this is so great. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. And like, so I'll, sometimes I'll throw them up because it makes me happy when I see it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but like, all that, they I probably like that. it too, though. You know, like where they're like, oh, look it, he sees me. You know, he's validating that for me. That's awesome. Like I'm able to give him that. I get to see his expression of happiness. That's probably helpful for them. I want everybody to know that interacts with me in that way that it's something that I really value, you know? Yeah, you can see uh, that. And people making themselves vulnerable with asking questions that are tough too is something that I respect. Yeah, I definitely feel like even with the billion questions you get that might be the same ones, I never see a snare or, you know, anything that would make me think that you were like, oh, here we go again. Like, it's definitely, there's a genuine like, all right, yeah, let's take this. And, you know, let's talk about this, which is fantastic. Um, Cause that can be very difficult. <laughs> I, I try. You know? Yeah. Oh, you, I can do, you do well. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot.